Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. On everybody, and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Bet365. I am your host, Josh Harris. As you're coming in, make sure to smash that like button. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. It helps us out a lot. Joining me, as always, some Cliffy. Excited to break down this 13-gamer? Yeah, yeah, I am more excited than I was to watch those games yesterday, because... Uh... I only caught the third period of Buffalo, Philadelphia, and it looks like I missed most of the game by that point. Um, yeah, really interesting 13-gamer here tonight because as I was going through the slate this morning, things that stuck out to me is like there's a lot of road teams that I kind of I kind of like tonight. And then, you know, you look at uh, the implied totals. Like there are a couple 3.7s uh, on the road here tonight. There's a whole bunch of teams at three or higher. So, um, one of those nights where um, there are a lot of road teams in play, I like because I think that opens up the slate a little bit more rather than, you know, Nashville's in Colorado, so you got to play Colorado or, or you know, San Jose's in Edmonton, so you got to play Edmonton. Like those types of things, we don't have that on the slate. So I like it. I dig it. Uh, looking forward to going through them. Yeah, I uh, Josh stacked the Sabres last night. So my my night was early very quickly because um Uka Pekalukunen gave up two shot or two goals on two shots in a minute and nine seconds. So I was like, well, see you later. And I tilt entered some basketball bets and got my money back. But that I would not advise doing that. Uh I'm just a little bit crazy. But yeah, this is a good slate. There is a couple obvious chalky spots like you know Florida in Chicago and you know the Florida second line is still super cheap and this and that. But like there's not going to be a spot where the chalk is so overwhelming that if they if you fade them and they go nuts, like you you'll have no shot. Like usually on slates like this, there'll be multiple paths. Like even if Florida two it comes in 15, 20%, whatever it is, and they get like three goals and four assists, like yeah, that's really good. But there are a ton of other lines in that range that will have probably outcomes at least 75% of that. So like you're not gonna be dead as a doornail. So you know, 
it should be a good slate. I like this slate. Uh, Flyers 2024 Stanley Cup champions. I see uh, Ray Rock's been inhaling the copium before joining us in the chat room today, but they definitely do look better than than last year. Tony D'Angelo being not on the team and Katoria being back helps. Katoria is still out tonight. Carter Hart's out for six weeks, but they are definitely improved. Bob Brink, Philly favorite already, but yeah. We should probably get into this slate. we got a lot of games to break down before we do. You can join the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, how to do that, you go to stochastic.com backslash avatar, download it, and change it on DraftKings and FanDuel. Place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants now possible on DraftKings NHL. Uh, wasn't for a while there. Tweet the wins to at stochastichof on X if you don't have x or twitter whatever you want to call it you can email us with your screenshot and win a free month of stochastic package of your choice you can only win once in a calendar year john says kaprasov rossi boldy top line we'll get there my friend we will get there can i just say sebastian aho little little dirty play taking fox out carolina or carolina hurricanes fans saying he had nowhere to go he had a place to go. Listen, man, your co-host is a Montreal Canadiens fan who saw a potential cup run explode when Chris Kreider ran through Carey Price. So don't give me this garbage about he had, oh, he had places to go, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to leave this. We're going to let that conversation die right on the table, and we're going to move to the next game because I'm about to get heated over that. Brandon Gallagher. No, true. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> We're absolutely not doing this. We'll save it for like a five game plate and we'll just we'll just you know go at it for 30 minutes. But yeah. Let's get into the uh let's get into this slate, shall we? Now that we have all the, the angry energy going, let's talk about the Bruins, the Boston Bruins with a 3.2 total heading into Detroit. The I forgot what Detroit team. I almost said the Tigers. The Red Wings have a 2.8 total. Um, Boston still flipping, flopping their lines around. It's going to be Pavel Zaka in between David Pasternak and James Van Riemsdyk. Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrus, Brad Marchand. Back to Portois. I, I don't know if that's correct, but I like saying it like that. Geeky and Frederick on the third line. Um, minor changes to the Detroit depth which we don't really care about for stacking purposes joe valeno and david perron flip-flops now the second line is cop confer and valeno could be a stack against type deal um don't have much interest in the detroit depth we'll just get that out of the way boston's a little bit interesting story here do you have any interest in that second line going up against uh detroit depth here no, it's the top line. Yeah. I, okay. like, I, just, um, I was trying to help you after that, you know, Aho stuff. I mean, we'll have to see, ex- like, we won't know exactly what the power plays look like. Like yesterday in practice, they ran Pasternak, Zaka, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, and Charlie Coyle. But that was with Brad Marchand not practicing. Marchand's been taking uh, practices off basically so far this year. He's pulling a Patrice Bergeron. I assume he's going to take Charlie Coyle's spot, so that would still leave a perfectly correlated top Boston line. Like Boston's top line, I'll bring up our top stacks for the first time today. Uh, 8.1% top two stack, 2.6% ownership. It is a huge leverage spot here on this slate. 
they're going to be going up against Detroit's top line, and they have been pretty good offensively. Like, obviously, Debrinkat, Larkin, and Raymond have been uh, very good to start the season. They slowed down a little bit over the last few games, but they're still generating. Um, it's just that they started so hot, they were going to regress eventually. The thing is, is they're giving up 3.3 expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. And that is a pretty bad uh, defensive number. That's obviously way, way below average. Uh, the thing that's been saving them is their goaltending. They're getting 957 goaltending behind them, which is absolutely absurd. Another one of those things that probably should regress. So you have this Boston top line, like Pasternak and Zaka have been very good together again. Um, as they were last year. They've been very good uh, so far this year. Um, the price has come down a little bit on that line. They're under 20 grand as a line. They're often between 20 and 21,000. So they're not hyper expensive here tonight. Good matchup against Detroit one. Uh, Detroit doesn't really take a ton of penalties, but they are above average at 3.8 times shorthanded per game. Uh, league averages are about 3.5 right now. And on top of that, their penalty their penalty kill is riding hot as well. They're getting like 900 save, save percentage on the penalty kill, which is that might lead the league at the end of the season, but it would be, the, you know, it'd be the highest that they'll get all season. It won't get better. Um, I think all around this place is a pretty good spot for Boston one. And it is one of the top lines that I'm considering here tonight because perfectly correlated, probably going to get their fair share of power play time. Um you know, Zaka Pasternak have looked good. It's a good matchup of five on five. It's a good matchup on the penalty kill. It worries me that they're missing so many defensemen. I, I'm wondering if they might not run into the issues that Ottawa has been having, which is moving the puck when the, the guys that are healthy and in the lineup um, aren't on the ice. Uh, but other than that, I think it's lining up pretty well for a Boston one game for me. So I have interest in the Boston top line here. Uh, you know, if you want to move Marshand in over, over James Van Riems, I can make it a power play stack or something. I think that's fine. But I have no interest in Detroit in this matchup. For me, this is about Boston's top line. Yeah, uh, I agree there. I see our, our old uh, producer in the chat doing the Lord's work, dropping the monthly and weekly memberships in there. Uh, he's a he's a Flyers fan, too, but we miss him. He Now we went now we go self-producing. We started a trend and. He was a good producer. Mike, we miss you. Also see uh, Wolf Girl said, sup, went two and a half X the other night on Van 2, Yotes 1 with Quinn Hughes. Thanks, guys. Been lurking a bit this season, but want to say thank you. Saw you uh, lurking in the chat the other day, playing some World of Warcraft, I think. Um, but yeah, congratulations to you. Uh, say what's up in the chat once in a while. Everyone likes to hear from you. You're like the most interesting person we've ever met. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Good to, good to hear from you. Uh, don't be shy to say hi, is what I'll say. Yeah. How much Eric Carlson is too much? I, I don't know. He's underpriced tonight on that. And that is the biggest narrative streak I think we've had in a while. But yeah, let's get, we'll get to that game. But for now, let's get to the Tampa Bay Lightning 3.2 total heading into, yeah, heading into Ottawa. The Senators have a 3.4 total. DJ Smith uh, going a bit galaxy brain here. Uh, going with Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, uh, Matty Joseph, second line, still the same, Norris, Tarasenko, um, Kubalik, third line of Batherson, Giroux, and the center who's not in the player pool that they just called up. I think, I don't know why they are moving Giroux down. Maybe it's just because that the, the center that got uh, called up, they need someone on that line. 
No, you uh, don't. Just play the top six the entire game. That, <laughs> I, what I'm what I'm getting at here is I think DJ Smith is overreacting to his two best puck movers not being on the ice. Um, I don't know why you put Joseph up on the top line. I would have had interest in Stutzla, Kachuk, Giroux tonight. Joseph there makes them a bit cheaper, makes them a lot worse offensively. Like we talked about this before the show, we're gonna we're gonna dump on Ottawa and they're gonna kill us tonight. It's just what it is. Like you mentioned, the on bunch on, on the second line, they don't have a playmaker on that line. Like I just don't understand what they're doing with their lines, and I also don't understand what Tampa Bay is doing with their lines. They have the top line of Kut, or if you want to call it the top line, the top line of Kucherov. Barry Boulette and Anthony Sorelli, second line of Hagel, uh, Point, and Essamont. Like, I wanted to have both sides of this game because it's a six and a half trending towards a seven. It's just like these lines are impossible to stack right now. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say is this, is it's not a very good power play matchup for Ottawa. Now, Ottawa is a team that is draws a lot of power plays. They're leading league in power play opportunities per game, which is why um, you know, they can put up good DFS scores without necessarily being that great at five on five. Problem is, is Tampa Bay is giving up the fewest power plays per game this season, which is, I think is still a pretty wild stat, but they're down at 2.6 time short in it per game. Like I said earlier, league average is about 2.5 or 3.5. Sorry. So about one power play less per game to the opponent. That's a pretty big deal for this Ottawa team. Um, you know, they've, Never had perfect power play correlations, like two guys on this line, two guys on this line, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, like, it doesn't really change a whole lot for me. It's just the way the lines are now. What I will say is that Kachuk and Stutzla have had good offensive numbers, whether Claude Giroux is there or not. It's just that a lot of the minutes without Claude Giroux also had Drake Batherson. And, yeah, he's not a great playmaker, but he doesn't need to be on a line with Kachuk and Stutzla, right? I don't know exactly what Matthew Joseph brings to that line. Not that Joseph is a bad player, but if Matthew Joseph is on your top line, things are going very, very wrong. Like, that's kind of the way I look at it, right? And, you know, you mentioned how they didn't have a playmaker on the second line. They don't even put Claude Giroux there. They put him down on the third line with with Drake Batherson. So, I agree with you. I think it, they're just full-blown panicking right now, especially with everything that's gone on off the ice with this team, um, starting in the offseason and continuing to you know now. Um, it doesn't feel like a great power play matchup for them, and that's that's the main thing that's keeping me away from Ottawa. It's like I actually don't mind this spot, especially with what Tampa Bay is doing to their lines. It's just uh, if Ottawa only gets two power plays here tonight, is that enough to really carry, you know, Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla, which is still a pretty expensive two-man, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're almost 15 grand for those two guys on DraftKings, just those two guys alone. You had, uh, you know, Sanderson on the blue line or something like that. You're looking at, at a $20,000 stack with just two forwards and a defenseman. So can they get there? If they only have two power plays, that's where my doubts come in. And I don't think so. So like, I don't have any problem with one-offing some guys from this Ottawa team. And that, I think that's something I would have a lot more interest in is like, go one-off Drake Batherson of 4,600 playing on the third line with Claude Giroux. It might get them away from, from some top competition. They're still on the power play and all that. So something like that I'd be interested in, not full stacking. On the Tampa side, I just don't know where to go. You know what I mean? Like, in theory... A line of Hagel, Point, and Esmont, I think could be pretty good. 
But the problem is, is you're only getting one guy on the top power play unit, right? And Tampa's power play has been a big reason why these guys have had DFS success so far this season. Um, so, you know, if you want to dip down and go like to the Kucherov line, um, you know, go play him with, with Anthony Sorelli. Again, you only have one guy on the power play on that line. The only line, the only line with two guys from the top Tampa Bay power play on it is the Nick Paul line, which feels like absolutely insane to me to say out loud, but that's kind of where we are right now. So Stamkos and Paul have actually been generating reasonably well so far this year. Like, yes, they're over, they're overheating. They're shooting 20% as a line, like half that would still be like a really high rate. So I, I worry about that, but I think it's that Stamkos, Paul Sheary line that I like best. Um, I'm just not sure. I'll be stacking any full stacking anything on either side. I think this is a game where I'll be picking my one offs and hope I, I can get like a goal plus a shot bonus from one of the guys or something like that. Yeah, it just feels kind of Seattle crackeny these lines. I don't know how else to describe it. Paul says Montreal won for all of King Midas's silver. We're about to get to that game. Now that you're on them, we're off of them. But yeah, no, let's talk about them. Montreal Canadiens with a 3.1 total heading into Seattle, Seattle, into St. Louis. The Blues have a 3.3 total. Looks like, um, what's his face? Christian Dvorak will be back tonight. And we are trying to try to figure out where he's going to slot in. I think he's going to be on uh, this. He's going to be centering Slavkovsky and Josh Anderson. They're going to move new hook up to the top line with Caulfield and Suzuki, which I actually really like um didn't so much like the new hook trade but i think it's not really the player that it was the what they gave up um we're just going in on montreal today <laughs> uh but yeah i i uh suzuki caulfield new hook against a st louis team back to back even though i think they're better goalies than that in hoffer um i don't know man like Suzuki's a really good playmaker. Newhook is really fast, and Little Boy Goals does just that, score goals. I'm in on Montreal one tonight. What about you? Yeah, I was until Haas said that he was in on Montreal, and now I'm terrified. <laughs> 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 don't be that Haas. Um, yeah, we don't know what the Montreal lineup's going to look like, right? That's kind of the problem. Now, thankfully, even though they're in St. Louis, it's going to be a 7 Eastern start. Um, so we're going to have – lines before the slate locks like that's the upside here um what you and i were talking about before the show is that caulfield and suzuki have actually been generating some shot volume this year like that was the big issue with them last year is that they were really riding high percentages without a lot of shot volume now the volume still isn't great it's actually a little bit below league average but they were well below league average last year so there have been improvements made as long as they don't have josh anderson on the wing and as you mentioned New hook, he's looked really good for Montreal this year. Like I know he only has five points in 10 games, but he had, he's also not on the top power play unit and his line really hasn't scored a lot, even though they've been generating reasonably well. So um, five points in 10 games with, you know, without much of a power play role, even though he does have two power play points because that second unit has been decent. Uh, not a bad start for him. It's more that it's, it's pretty, it's a matchup. Like you said, back to back for St. Louis, um, they are at home, but the top line is giving up 2.9 expected goals against per 60 minutes, which is well below league average. 64 shot attempts against per 60 minutes. Um, 
like the Detroit line we talked about earlier, they're getting great save. They're getting great goaltending earlier in the year. 959 save percentage with St. Louis' top line on the ice. That's just something that just won't keep up for, for the balance of the season. It worries me that, I can't believe I'm saying this, that St. Louis doesn't take a lot of penalties because Montreal's power play has actually been like reasonable this year, which is something they haven't had in several years. Um, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, there's not much ownership coming in on the Habs. We have them um, coming in at about 2.1%. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Uh, on DraftKings tonight, I'll bring up those top stacks real quick. 2.1% uh, for that new hook, assuming it's new hook, new hook, Suzuki, and Caulfield line. So 2% going up against a pretty bad defensive St. Louis team that's playing its second night in a row with the backup goalie in net. I don't know. I kind of agree. I like Montreal one here. Now, if people want to dip down to that Monaghan, Pearson, Gallagher line, I think that's a fine filler here tonight because the second and third lines from, from St. Louis don't offer much more defensive resistance than the top line does. Um, and that Montreal line actually has been good for them this year. I don't know if I would play them necessarily in single entry, um, but if I was 20 maxing 150, you know, even 50 lines, something like that, I think that Montreal Monaghan line uh, certainly makes sense as a filler, but it is Montreal one. I like the best here. I don't really have a lot of interest in the St. Louis side, but Montreal does take a ton of penalties. Like that's kind of where I'm getting mixed up here is, you know, if St. St. Louis doesn't necessarily have to play well tonight, to, but if they get five power plays, they could have a really good DFS night. Like that's kind of where I'm getting crossed up. Um, if anything, I would probably go to the second line, Kairou, Shen and Saad. They're all in this. I think they're still all in the same power play unit together, um, which is pretty important for them. They're all on the Tory Krug power play unit, which I want to highlight here because, um, their results with Krug running the power play have been way better than Justin Falk for years now. And being on that power play unit is, is more advantageous, probably even if they get less ice time. So I think it, I don't mind St. Louis too. Like Christian Dvorak is not a good defensive center at this point of his career. Josh Anderson is not a good defensive winger at all. So is still not a good uh, defensive winger of his, right? I think it could be a pretty good matchup for St. Louis too, even on a back-to-back. -back. So I don't mind them, but it is Montreal one I like best in this game. Yeah. The, the St. Louis top power play unit has been abysmal. With Falk up there, Justin so, yeah. Falk is not a power play uh, defense kind of at this point of his career. Uh, no, let's move on to the Leafs. Yeah, let's do that. Oh boy, Buffalo with a two eight total heading into Toronto. The Leafs have a three point eight total. Let's talk about those Leafs. They traded Pierre Engvall, signed Ryan Reeves to a three year contract. This is this is a leaf spot, but like Devin Levi's in that for Buffalo. Their Buffalo is back to back on the road. It's just like Kylie Yonkrock just isn't it on the top line. 
So, yeah, like these Buffalo lines are kind of strange to say the least. So, like, I don't have too much interest in the Leafs top line here. They're over 20,000. They have some positive leverage. Like, I guess you can make it a power play stack. The Sabres looked awful last night. But, like, I guess you could do, like, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. But, like, if you want to go to that second line, they're having issues too. Like, the Leafs just cannot figure out a way to get Tyler Bertuzzi into the mix here. He's looked really bad there. I like. I don't have too much interest in the Leafs tonight. I just don't have too much interest in this game. I wish like knees moved up or Domi moved up or something like that. Like, do you, do you have any interest on on either side here? Yeah, I do. I definitely have interest in that Toronto second line. Like, I I get it. I know Bertuzzi. Like, he got benched, and I know he's getting all the the media or whatever. I was looking at some of the scoring chance data. Uh, there's a guy named Corey Snatchery. He, <laughs> I love that hat. Uh, there's a guy named Corey Snatchery. He hand tracks games. He looks at things at a lot of different things. One things one thing I look at for DFS is it's called scoring chance contributions. It's just a player's individual scoring chances, like ones he gets, plus assists that he has on a teammate scoring chance. Bertuzzi still rated pretty well this year. Like, yeah, he only has three points in 10 games. I'd say it's a still still a fairly small sample. Like, it's only been 10 games, and he's been moved up and down the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying he's looked awesome like he did in Boston last year, but I don't think he's looked terrible. And, like, Tavares and Nylander have looked really, really good so far this year. 70 shot attempts per 60 minutes, um, both with and without Bertuzzi next to them like they've been generating a lot with Bertuzzi there I think John Tavares I'm looking right now a five-year high in shot rate at five on five and that doesn't even get to how great William Nylander has been to start the year they are expensive I'll bring up um, top stacks once again for Toronto that top line or that second line sorry 20k 12 and a half percent top stack 6.2 percent ownership I want to highlight that they're not very far behind in top two stack percentage that Toronto top line, which isn't something that we really see very often. Usually you'll see the Toronto top line like 50% higher, maybe even double um, that second line. I think it speaks to how much that top line has struggled. Like you mentioned Kyle Yarncroft. I shared this yesterday, I think in our Discord, might have been in a DM. Again, with those scoring chance contributions I just talked about, there was one player, one forward, in the sample of 123 forwards or something like that, without a single scoring chance contribution this season, and it's Cali Yarncroft. Like there are like fourth liners on basement teams that have been doing be- that have been helping out more offensively than Yarncroft has. And not only that, if you look, you and I have talked about Mitch Marner. If you look at the NHL's new, you know, public tracking data or whatever you want to call it. A lot of his skating metrics are down significantly from the last couple of years. And his shot rates are down. His shot, you know, his, um, like I said, his skating metrics are down. His his shot, like how hard his shot is, is way down. It, not that he was ever like a guy that, you know, ripped 100 mile an hour clappers. But he went from like the 65th percentile to like the 10th. I think Marner's playing through something playing through an injury like I don't know if we can just call it a small sample anymore we're at 10 games played like this isn't 
like we're four weeks into the season, like maybe a week or two to get your feet under you. Things haven't been getting better. Matthews has still looked as good as he ever has. That's the thing that's carrying that line. Toronto won with Yarncroft there. 57 shot attempts per 60 minutes. That's a line that when they're at their best is north of 70. I don't know. I, I am out on Toronto one, but I am very much in on Toronto two. Now, if you want to make it a power play stack and do like, just do like Matthews and Nylander with uh, somebody on the blue line, I think that's perfectly fine as well. I think you can put Matthews with Nylander or Matthews with Tavares or with both Nylander and Tavares in this matchup. Um, I have no problem doing something like that. I I just don't think, like, Buffalo just doesn't look, really look that good. They also lost Matias Samuelson last night. He got injured. I don't think he's going to end up playing tonight. It's going to put a lot more minutes on guys like Henry Yokoharyu, uh, Connor Clifton, so on. So, like, I'm not sure it's a really a good spot for Buffalo. I like Toronto, too, a lot in this game. I'm not playing the Buffalo side. Yeah, I, again, I'm not super high on stacking Toronto. I think if I was going to do anything from Toronto, it would be a one-off Nylander, put him with Tavares, but like can add in Matthews, this and that. Like I, like I understand why you love Toronto too. I just haven't been on Bertuzzi much this season. I've, I've always loved Nylander. I think one-off Nylander is fine. Tavares has looked better. It's just how I'm going to be building my lineup tonight. I just don't know if I can fit more than just Nylander. So Yeah, I mean, I'm not but, saying like, Toronto 2 is like my, one of my favorite lines on the entire slate, but I really do like them in this matchup yeah. considering what Buffalo is going through right now. Yeah, I, I agree there. Let's move on. Columbus Blue Jackets with a three total heading into Washington. The Capitals somehow have a 3.5 total. We have some pretty high ownership here on – Washington, the top line projected for 15.1% ownership and the second line projected at 14.4% ownership. I kind of get it because they play like Elise Kuznetsov plays a ton of minutes and they're 11,800 against a Columbus team that is just pitiful defensively. So like, I get it, but like a 2.4% top two stack, top two stack percentage with that kind of ownership, that's like, I just that's bad chalk to me. Uh, I like the Washington top line. I just wish they weren't coming in this high owned because Stroman Ovechkin have played well. Wilson up there is fine. Like the Gaudreau Jenner Rosovic line. I don't even know how the matchups goes because like Washington does weird stuff with their matchups sometimes. They'll send out like God knows who against top comp. I know it's been Kuznetsov recently. So like Ovechkin Strom are gonna get you know Fantilli Marchenko or like. Texier or Bem, you know what I mean? So, like, Washington one's in a really, really good spot, but like, over owned Washington when they've had trouble scoring this season just gives me the heebie jeebies, but like, at least Ovechkin shooting. So, that top line makes sense to me. That second line just seems like bad chalk. Yeah, I. <laughs> I'll bring up the top stacks because I got to show everybody how high owned they actually are. You can see it at the bottom here. We'll get to Florida in a bit. They're expected to be the highest online. And then it's those two Washington lines, like far and away above everybody else. And then they're the two highest lines um, over on FanDuel. There's going to be a lot of people playing Washington here tonight. Um, the Washington top line has been good with Tom Wilson there. I wrote about Alex Ovechkin in my picks article, free to read up on stochastic.com. What a wonderful website. Um, just head on over to the NHL section. 
Ovechkin started the season playing with Nick Backstrom. In fact, he played like the first two and a half games or whatever with Backstrom. And then like a week later, Backstrom looks like he's going to have to retire. <laughs> like, I think when it comes to, to Washington struggling early, it seems pretty obvious why that happened, right? Like Backstrom probably should have never suited up this season. And since he moved away from Nick Backstrom, he's been third in the league in shots, uh, shot attempts uh, per minute. Um, seven points in six games. He added 90 seconds per game in ice time. Um, he's looking like the Ovechkin of old, or certainly at least the Ovechkin of the last couple seasons rather than the Ovechkin of the first couple games. So I really do like Washington one here. They did use Tom Wilson at times on the top power play unit in their last game as well. So it would give them a perfectly correlated top line. Um, it's just that there's a lot of ownership here tonight. Now on a 13 game slate, if the trio comes in at 15%, I don't think that's awful, right? Because there are so many other spots that you can go to, and there's so many ways you can get different. You can play a 3-2-1 stack. Um, you can play, like, a full Washington power play and then, you know, like a, a super cheap two-man somewhere else. Um, you know, like a cheap Montreal two-man, like that Monaghan line we just we talked about or whatever. So there are ways to get different. So I don't, I still don't mind them. I think that I might treat them like Ottawa and kind of fish for one-offs here. So like maybe play John Carlson on the blue line, one-off Alex Ovechkin, like those types of things. I still like Washington one. Like I know they're going to be the highest owned. They might be the highest owned team on the night. On a slate this big, it doesn't bother me as much. The Columbus side is where things get a little bit more interesting for me. Um, Washington has improved defensively. I'm not sure their goaltending has got the memo. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had Darcy Kemper um, going the other night, and he looked absolutely terrible. Uh, the Columbus top line in a very small sample has been creating a lot of offense, like around 80 shot attempts per 60 minutes, approaching 50 minutes played together. That's quite a bit. Boone Jenner's at 3.7 shots per game, like, Columbus's top line is going to come in under 5% own. We just saw this Washington team get blanked by the New York Islanders. Now the Islanders, you know, they're the Islanders, but I don't hate the idea of, of Columbus one here tonight. Um, I don't think I'm going to get there in single entry. I'd be more inclined to play them if I was playing a 20 max here tonight or, or something larger than that. I still do like the Washington top line, like 15% ownership be damned. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm normally a uh, someone who just does not like stack or one-offing a Matthews at high ownership because usually someone comes along for the ride, McKinnon at high ownership. Ovechkin at high ownership is fine because he could have like 10 shots on goal, you know what like, I mean? Well, and there are games where like, you know, he'll have like one assist through 58 minutes and then he'll score two empty netters and one of them will be – assisted by Protoss and you know the other one's going to be assisted by Connor McMichael and and Nick Jensen like that's why you can play in Ovechkin one off because yes he's like he's the Winnipeg Jets of empty nets in the Eastern Conference so yeah. uh, and he plays the full two minutes on both power play units so like if he yeah. scores a power play goal it could be from like Sonny Milano and like Haas you know what I mean so like yeah you can you can one off Ovechkin even if he is higher owned not that you can't one off like a Matthews at high ownership. It just it's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, why haven't you guys gone uh, NHL premium yet? It's a serious thing. It even got me to get Starbucks, and every time you have Starbucks, it just makes me want to shake the cup like a like a white woman. I what? 
I don't know. Listen, I, this is the first time I've had caffeine since May. I'm a little wired right now, but <laughs> you can get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry by clicking the link in the description. I don't know why you guys haven't signed up. Uh, even our, our old producer, who we miss dealer, dearly, has put the links in the chat. You get access to player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combinations, and the most important thing, the Discord. Lots of sharp minds in there. We have low-stakes players. We have high-stakes players. We have single-entry players. We have cash players. We have high-stakes players. We have MME players. Like, no matter how you play, there are people to help you. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what you're waiting for. Click the link in the description below. Get um, that weekly. Get the monthly. Get a Starbucks. Add some sugar. Get jacked up on caffeine. And let's move on to the next game. Carolina, it's just a nice tea, but I added sugar, so I'm a little, a little crazy right now. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes with a 2.9 total heading into Long Island. We all know the dead rooms of going into. I just made up a word. Into Long Island. The Islanders have a 2.6 total. This game, Carolina is just a walking five and a half total, no matter who they play. Um, Adam Pellick is out for the Islanders, which means they're going to go back to that, like four, play four defensemen, play their third pair eight minutes. So Dobson back in play, but there is no ownership on any of these lines tonight. This game screams MME. It does make me nervous that no one is on Carolina. Like their top line, Aho Svechnikov, Jarvis coming in at 0.3 projected ownership. Like, if I was even 20 maxing, going 1 to 20 will get you way over the field. And I know it's the Islanders, and I know it's Sorokin, and I know they're at home, and I know offense goes to die in Long Island. A lot of things get lost in Long Island, whatever. But, like, 0.3% ownership, I think if I was MMEing, I'd be over the field on some of these top lines. I just don't think I'm getting to anything in 1 to 3. Uh, Yeah, I... This is tough because one of the reasons why we would be playing the Islanders um, is because uh, like the, or playing Carolina series because the Islanders really haven't looked um, that good on the penalty kill. Um, Smeshnikov is still on the second power play unit. Like that's, I don't know why, but he's still on the second power play unit. And if you're not going to get that perfect correlation and you're playing a moderately expensive line, like, oh, you know, 18,600 on DraftKings. Sveshnikov's still 3,600 on FanDuel, so I think that's three games in a row now. we got to keep a running tally a tally of that. He's up 20% at least. Yeah, so, he, yeah, so he's yeah. going to be highly – they're going to be higher on FanDuel. Um, but I don't really have, like, a problem stacking against the Islanders right now at this point. Like, I get that – playing like going up against Sorokin really sucks. That's really not something that I would uh, generally um, want to do. Uh, But one of the reasons why I would want to play Carolina one is because they do get some time. They would get some time against that Islanders top line that has been really leaky defensively so far this season Uh, with Anders Lee there. They're up to 88 shot attempts against per 60 minutes, which is like, that's penalty kill numbers, honestly. Um, the problem is, is they've kind of switched up their matching. So it's going to be the Carolina second line. That's going to see a fair bit of, of Barzal's line. 
And Carolina's second line like played like 11 to 13 minutes in their last game. And that's the problem we're running into now with the Hurricanes is that they're base they're going to start pulling the Dallas Stars where everybody basically plays 12 to 17 minutes a game and it's going to be incredibly frustrating. Um, so I think I'm with you. I think uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. If you're MMEing, I think Carolina one is certainly in play. I think um, for the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Islanders one is certainly in play because that Carolina second line has not been good defensively. Like Kakaniemi and Bunting have just not been good together this year, not defensively. Offensively, they've been pretty good, but not on the defensive side. So I think it's both top lines for me and some MME. I just, in a single entry, I just don't think I'm going to get there. Yep. Agreed. Uh, question from Matt McCarthy says, if you guys have time, could you explain how the uh, Fantasy Hockey, Hockey World Championship qualifiers works? There's different ticket values. Just real quick. If you're looking under the satellites and qualifiers tab on DraftKings, you'll see like a $25 qualifier to a $1450 or a $18 one to a $432 qualifier. So if you win that $25, you'll get a $1450 ticket to the actual qualifier. And if you win that, you'll get a ticket to the Fantasy Hockey World Championships, wherever that is. I've heard like Scottsdale, Arizona or something. I, I don't know. But like those satellites are to the qualifier and you have to win the qualifier to win the seat to the live final. Los Angeles Kings with a 3.7 total heading into Philadelphia. The Flyers have a 2.9 total. Uh, Carter Hart, Sean Couturier still out here. Uh, Kings, large road total, 3.7. Fiala Dubois, uh, Laferriere projected around 6%. Deneau, Moore, Kaliev projected around 6%. That line's 12,600. Love them as a filler. Love the Dubois-Fiala line. Also really like the Kopitar Kempe byfield line tonight, man. Like byfield, he you know he's not on that power play unit with Kopitar and Kempe, but like they're going to be getting Flyers top line without Couturier tonight. It's probably Sandstrom and Net. They're back. Flyers are back to back. If you like a Kings line, play them. I think I'm leaning towards that Kopitar line though. Yeah, I I agree on the Kopitar line. Like that's the one that I've been leaning to. I uh, was, you know, we've been looking at um, their numbers throughout the day. Um, the the entire line's been really good together. Three point three expected goals for three point four actual goals for per sixty minutes. Adrian Kempe, average, averaging, I think he's up to like three point seven shots per game, which would be you know by far a career high for him. Byfield's not shooting a ton, but it's basically because all the shots are going to Kempe right now. 
Um, you know, I highlighted on Twitter uh, in the the game the other night against Ottawa. Byfield made an absolutely absurd scene pass through four players right onto Kopitar's stick, and then Kopitar passed it right to Kempi, and then Kempi rang, rang it off the crossbar on an empty net. So, you know, you get unlucky sometimes. Um, but they've just been, they've been really, really good together. With Sean Couturier gone, it takes a big part of their shutdown matchup away. Um, you know, I think Noah Cates, if they do decide to use, because Couturier played their last home game, so we don't know exactly how the line matching is going to go. I'm assuming they're going to use that Noah Cates line because Noah Cates is a defensive specialist right now at his at his point in his career. Uh, like Noah Cates is pretty good defensively, so I think they could still shut down the Kings' top line. It's just that they're not coming in with much ownership. Um, is one reason why I do like them. Um, as you mentioned, coming in about three percent owned, that's perfectly fine. No Couturier, uh, Flyers probably on their third string goalie. Um, Power plays don't really matter a whole lot here because, like, Philly's penalty kill has been arguably the best in the NHL to start this season. And they take the second fewest penalties. The only team taking fewer penalties than them um, is Tampa Bay that we talked about earlier. So, you know, I do like Kings 1 at 3%. Kings 3 is where things kind of get interesting for me. I talked about Kaliev uh, in my picks article today. Uh, him and Deneau, um have been excellent together uh, since Arvidsson got hurt, uh, him and Deneau and Moore. Um, they're going to be going up, you know, against the bottom six uh, for Philly. More importantly, they're going to avoid Travis Sanheim and Cam York, which has really been a great, pretty great shutdown pair uh, for the Flyers here. So I think I like Kings three, but for me, it's both Kings one and Kings three that are definitely uh, in play here. I will also mention, I on the Philly side, like it's back to back, so I don't think I would necessarily play them. But Travis Konechny has really, really good offensive numbers when Morgan Frost is his center going all the way back to the start of last season. Um, they kind of showed that ability in the last game as well. Now that Frost is back in the lineup, I don't know if I'm going to play them tonight um, because of the situation that they're in, but it's definitely a duo to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, I do like Frost Konechny. How long that lasts with Torts? We'll see. Let's move on to the next one here. The Florida Panthers, a 3.7 total heading into Chicago. The Blackhawks have a 2.7. Now, we were talking about Chalk Washington. It looks like the Flyers' second line is going to be the highest own, projected owned line of the night at 17%. Florida, uh, Florida second. What, yeah, I don't know what the heck I just said. But, yeah, Anton Lundell, Carter Verhage, Matthew Kachuk, 17,200. Verhage was on the top power play unit over Evan Rodriguez. That's a big deal because Verhage is putting up like 80 points without top power play time. Him, if, if he sticks on that power play. Ooh. So, yeah, like I do really, really like that uh, Panthers second line. Um, you want to go to that top line? It's fine. Like there is no matchup that worries me on Chicago. Like there's none. They're just Connor Bedard and everyone else. So, like I, I thought, you know, Washington two is bad chalk. Like Florida two is fine. They're in an elite spot. Carter Verhage and Matthew Chuck now on the top power play. Lundell, a, a bit of a offensive upgrade from Lusterinen. It's just like if you're gonna play them, just know that if you put your lineup together, like Florida two, LA three, and D men that fit, like might be. <laughs> 
a chance of a dupe, but like just there's so many ways to get different. I really like Florida too here. Yeah, I you know Verhage going to the top power plays a pretty big deal uh, for that line because you know historically there'd only been one guy in the power play unit. Here there will be two. I don't know if it's necessarily a good power play spot though, right? Like it's been a while since Chicago was played. I think they had like five days off or something like that, or four days off. Um, but the last time we had Chicago on the show, we talked about their penalty kill. Basically, going back to the All Star break last year, they had at least a good penalty kill. Not a great one, but a good one. And that's basically carried over so far this season. On the year, there are only three teams giving up fewer shots per minute on the penalty kill than Chicago. Um, It's Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh. And their top, I think they're eighth by fewest goals against. Like Those are pretty good numbers. And again, it's not just this season. It's going all the way back to last year. so now we're looking at a sample of like what 35 games or something like that. Like it's not a tiny sample. So it is a good power play spot. I think in general, cause just about any time Florida plays, they're in a good power play spot, but you know, Chicago doesn't take a lot of penalties. They're below average uh, in the league uh, in that regard. Florida's not drawing the power plays they did last year. Last year, Florida, I think was top three in power play opportunities per game this year. They're in the middle. They're smack in the middle of the league. So if they only get three power plays against a top five power play and they're on the road and they're going to be over owned and, you know, set 15 to 20% ownership. Like I think it's a situation where I would, you know, one offing Mac, like Mac and Chuck has so much positive regression coming his way. Like I think he's shooting 3% or 4%. Like it's something crazy like that. And he's going to end up at like 14% for the season. So, um, you know, one off Mac and Chuck, certainly one off Carter Verhage. I think that's fine. I think they're just coming in with so much ownership. I'd almost be inclined to just go to the top line, even though Reinhardt, Barkov, and Rodriguez are starting to struggle a little bit offensively. 2.3 expected goals per 60 minutes. Um, They're scoring 5.9 goals because they're shooting almost 17%, which is way, 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 way too high. But like you said, I'm not worried about any matchup from Chicago. So I think for, for me personally, like I have no problem stacking either of the top two lines in Florida. I just don't think it's as good as a power play matchup as in as it uh, you know as it would have been this time last year basically um on the chicago side like i kind of have interest in playing bedard but they're starting yeah. taylor hall on the third line i can't imagine that's gonna last very long but if it lasts to like the middle of the third period or something then it's a waste of a stack so honestly i feel like i'm gonna get burned but i don't know if i'm gonna be stacking either side of this game yeah, I do want to play Bedard as well. It's just like, it's one of those things, like if you make like a Bedard Hall stack, like Hall is going to stay on the third line. You leave Hall off and he's going to be up in the middle of the first period. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, damned if you but, do, damned if you do. Like, you know, I imagine Taylor, you know, Hall is going to be on the top power play unit. So at worst, you're going to have power play correlation between them, right? So yeah, there's, still, yeah. there's still something there. It's just, I, I, I don't know, man. They suck. <laughs> Nick Felino, the, the hatred man. No, but yeah, let's move on to the next one. My New York Rangers with a 2.9 total heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a three total. Now, uh, Adam Fox, long term IR, Philip Heedle, onto IR. 
Uh, Igor's banged up, so Johnny Quick is going to start tonight. I know Adam Fox hasn't had the best DFS start to his season, but my goodness, is he extremely like outside of Igor, the one New York Ranger you didn't want to get hurt is Adam Fox. Like that blue line is going to suffer. Like they still might be okay, but having to give those extra minutes to Truba, who have no, he can't like turn. He's just, he just knows how to skate straight. And that's it. Uh, the second, you know, Keandre Miller getting a ton of minutes is going to be good because he is an excellent defensive player. But you get Zach Jones into the lineup. That's not the way I envision getting Zach Jones into the lineup. That third pairing could be okay. But like the Rangers without Fox on the ice, their expected goals against numbers go up. Not a shock there. Now for the Wild, they finally decided to move Rossi to the top line center in between Kaprizov and Boldy. And they're running a five forward power play unit with the top line, um, Joe Erickson Eck and Marcus Johansson, uh, kicking Zuccarello and Hartman down to the second power play unit. This is an interesting game because one, the injuries, there's no Igor, no Fox. Without Heedle, the Rangers center depth gets a little wonky. And the way Minnesota matches at home. They're going to be sending Joe Erickson Eck out against the Rangers' top line, leaving that Boldy, Rossi, Kaprizov line going out against the Rangers' third line, which we don't have confirmation on, but it's probably going to be Blake Wheeler, Johnny Brzezinski, and Will Cooley. And you're, they're probably going to see a bunch of that Zach Jones, Braden Schneider pairing, which ha- like for a third pair, it's fine. But like, I don't know. I have interest in the Minnesota top line. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Um, I took the long road, but we got there. <laughs> start on the, Blues, or on the Rangers side. I, I don't have interest in the top line. Um, you mentioned the goals, expected goals against with Adam Fox off the ice. I think it's also offensively um, where he makes a big deal. I was just looking earlier today. Their expected goals for go up 49% when he's on the ice to, you know, well, obviously well above league average to well below league average when he's off the ice because on a real puck mover. Yeah. Right. And they don't like Gustafson can help, but they don't like Jacob Truba's not a great puck mover. Schneider and Jones and those guys, like they're fine, but you know, certainly nowhere near the caliber of Fox. Like they just can't replace what he does at, at five on five, particularly. Um, so you have Zabanejad and Kreider and Kako already str- struggling to score, losing Adam Fox going up against, um, uh, Eric Sinek and Felino, like just no. The Rangers' second line is kind of interesting for me. Yeah. Because you still get Trocek and Panarin on the top power play unit. And Minnesota's penalty kill has been by far the worst in the league this year. Shots against, goals against per minute, everything. Just absolutely god awful. Like it's it reminds us of of what Vancouver's penalty kill looked like, you know, in November of last year when you know, they're giving up like 20 goals every 60 minutes or something like something crazy like that. So you still get two guys on the top power play. Eric Gustafson, I think, can replace Adam Fox on the top power play unit well enough. Yeah. And especially against with that pathetic Minnesota penalty kill. So I still have some Rangers two interest here, but I, I'm with you. It's the Minnesota top line. We've been waiting for Marco Rossi to get to the top line basically since training camps open. Um, the, I wasn't expecting Matt Boldy to go up there with them. Um, it should be interesting how that works out because uh, Boldy and Kaprizov typically haven't had 
great expected goals against or goals numbers uh, when they've been together. You know, you get Rossi there, uh, who's, I think, a better playmaking center than anything else that they have. Um, you know, all three on the top power play unit. Like you said, they're going to be getting depth matchups from the Rangers, and you take out Fox, and then you have to move Trocheck up to the second line. Once you get into that bottom six with those depth defensemen, with John Quick and Net, I'm with you. I re- I really I really do like Minnesota one here. Like they're easily my favorite line in this game. They're one of my favorite lines on this slate, and I I will say I still like Rangers two here, but I think I'd be more inclined in a twenty max format or something like that. Yeah, I do like Rangers too. And, you know, Trocek has not been very good to start the season, but he has been playing with Wheeler and a rookie. Going from Wheeler and a rookie to Panarin and Lafreniere is going to help. And it's on the top power play against the wild penalty kill, which you have mentioned is awful. You can get the NBA lineup generator package for 50% off your first week. And then it goes to $8.95 after that. So you can get it for under $5. Um, you can choose an ownership shed- setting, lock and swap players, and export up to 20 DFS lineups. I actually played NBA last night because I had some expiring tickets. And I used the NBA lineup generator uh, to set my lineup. I didn't cash because I made an idiotic swap. But, you know, that's on me, not the lineup generator. I go through all these lineups and I pick out the ones I want and then I can compare them. Uh, and then I exported the one that I wanted to play. It, it, it's really a great lineup I, or a great tool. I use it for NFL all the time just to, you know, get, figure out what the chalk is. I'll click on a chalky build and I'll run through some chalky builds just to see, you know, what they're expecting the chalk to be. And then I'll make my changes from there. You have the ability to choose between balanced builds, highly projected builds, contrarian builds, chalky builds, et cetera, et cetera. You can save or discard lineups as you go. And with NFL, I know this is for NBA, but with NFL, you can choose, you know, you know, run back stacks and that kind of stuff. It's just a great tool. You get it for under $5. I don't know if you're an NBA player and you don't want to get the full package, you know, like the full projections, all that kind of stuff. Get the NBA lineup generator package for under five dollars for your first week, and it goes to eight ninety five after that. Let's get to the Narrative Street Nation here. Pittsburgh Penguins with a three point eight total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have their highest goal total of the season at two point six. Surprisingly, there's not a ton of ownership on Pittsburgh after Vancouver laid a ten spot on them the other night. That game was just over after like three minutes. Um, I don't know. I, did we get confirmation on Pittsburgh power play units? Because they scored the last game with Riley Smith on the top power play unit and then took him off. No, we so, don't have confirmation. Yeah. And that's a bit worrisome to me because dating back to the beginning of last year, the Pittsburgh top power play has been pretty bad. Now you get the massive narrative nation with Carlson coming back to play by the Sharks, and he's arguably very underpriced on DraftKings at 6,200. It's just like there's no in-between here with the Sharks, right? We've seen Tampa run them over 6 nothing, but the top line didn't do too much. We've seen Nashville run them over the top line didn't do much. Then you, then you have teams like Vancouver that they had concentrated scoring. I kind of lean towards Pittsburgh having concentrated scoring here just because like 
they're you know, they're bottom six. They don't have like a noted goal score. It's like Lars Eller redeems Zahorna and Drew O'Connor, right? They're pretty fairly concentrated in the top six. Like their top six, very, very good. Their bottom six, very, very bad. So I have a ton of interest in the Pittsburgh top six here, specifically that second line. I'm a, I don't know. I just like the way they've been playing better. You want to go to that top line? Perfectly, perfectly fine. They're, but the second line, 17,700. Coming in less owned than the Minnesota top line we just talked about, and they're playing the Sharks. I don't know, man. Like, it's going to be hard to not play Pittsburgh here tonight with fairly low ownership. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I just, I like, I got nothing to add. Like this, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of the Sharks team already. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, it's one of those it's one of those things where this this San Jose team is a perfect crystallization of why North American professional sports need relegation. Like I'm serious, the bottom four teams in the NHL every year should go to the AHL. And cuz then you would stop getting garbage like this where teams aren't even bothering to put a quality NHL team on the ice. It's it's really frustrating cuz it, it, this is a blank space every 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 game. Every, every time this team is on the ice. Like, there's just no reason to ever watch these games. Play Pittsburgh, too. Let's get to the next game. Yeah, and I'll just – one last thing. Like, they just don't give a crap. Like, uh, Capo Kakinen got hurt, and not one single Sharks player went to go check on him. Like, Vancouver players were going to see if he was okay. Like, they just don't give a crap. Yeah, let's get to the next game. Calgary Flames. Let's get to other teams that don't really give a crap. Calgary Flames with a 2.9 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a three total. Okay. Calgary, bit of an enigma, right? Their front office, absolute joke show. But neither here nor there here. Top line for Calgary projected at 0.3% ownership. We talked a little bit before the show about this top line. Huberdo and Mangiapane have had pretty good numbers together. They're 15,600 against Seattle, who is a you know decent team. They're not gonna, they're good everywhere except for the goalie. Not great anywhere. Definitely not the goalie. But like at 0.3% for 15,600 for a line that has good numbers together, I'm interested in Calgary one. Yeah, I am as well. And, you know, we mentioned um, how good the numbers, like the numbers have been really good for that Calgary top line, or at least with Huberto and Mangiapane together so far this year, 3.3 expected goals per 60 minutes, 4.2 actual goals uh, per 60 minutes. They've been really, really good at five on five so far this year. And the thing is, it's like, it's not just this year. Last year was the same thing. 
expected goals not as high, 2.7, but still scoring 4.1 goals per 60 minutes. Like we were talking before the show, like Mangiapane and Huberto are the two best wingers. I don't know. Maybe they're only two good wingers. Like I think that's kind of where they are at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, like, you know, I think Blake Coleman's a fine, decent two-way, like, third-line winger, but they have two good offensive wingers on this team. If you play him separately, like, I'm not sure Kadri, even now at this point, like, he's, what, 34 years old now? Like, I don't – like, he's not the guy he was three years ago in Colorado or four years ago in Colorado. Uh, Elias Lindholm is – Easily one of the most overrated players in the in the NHL. So, if you have Andre Pony and Huberto separated, there's really not a lot for them to play with otherwise. But when you have them together, they have been scoring 0.3% ownership per our top stacks tool. I'll bring that up again. 0.3% ownership, 1% top two stack. Like there's positive leverage here. I'm not worried about any of the matchups on on the Seattle side. Like the Wenberg line has been fine, but I'm not worried about the goaltending or anything like that. Like single entry, I don't know if I would necessarily say you have to play them. This would be if I was twenty maxing or fifty lineups or something like like that. This would be a Calgary line I would have in in at least one of my lineups here tonight. On the Seattle side, it's just it's picking one offs. Like well, I'm not stacking, uh, I'm not stacking Seattle. They just have all their power plays are broken up. Power plays not very good anyways, and they don't really draw a lot of opportunities. Seattle. 2.9 times on the power play so far this season, fourth fewest in the league, tied for third fewest actually. So, you know, it's the Cal- it's the Calgary goaltending. <laughs> like, you really only need like 15 shots to score six goals, so yeah, that can happen. <laughs> but uh, Bjorkstrand and Cartier have been shooting quite a bit, so I do like the idea of one-offing one of them um, here tonight. I just I don't think I'm going to get any anywhere as close to full stacking uh, on the Seattle side. I honestly think I have more interest in stacking the Calgary top line. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned to me before the show, Calgary's top goalie's prospect Dustin Wolf in the minor leagues with almost a 9.40 save percentage. Call the homie up. Let's move on to the next one. The Dallas Stars with a 3.1 total heading into Vancouver. The Canucks have a 2.9 total. This is three and four on the road. For Dallas, this is the end of a long road trip. Vancouver's just coming off a 10 spot um, against the Sharks. No ownership in this game, really. The highest projected owned line is the Duchesne-Sagan-Marchment line at 0.8% projected. And I've actually been playing them a whole bunch recently. I don't know if I'm going to go there tonight. They've been playing about or a little bit more than the Dallas top line. Like, the, the the player with the most ice time the last like three or four games has been Matt Duchesne. And I just, I just don't know why. Like, I don't know why they don't play their top line 18, 19 minutes. Like I, it just makes no sense to me. I, well, you know why I'm, it's because there's five good teams in the Western conference and they only need half their roster to get to the playoffs. It's basically why. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be why. And then, so like, I don't have a ton of interest three and four on the road. For Dallas, you want to play that third line as a filler. I think that's fine. You want to play that top line in MME at 0.7 projected ownership. I think that's fine. Vancouver side, a little about less interesting. Like, they're on a heater, like a heater. Their shooting percentages are unsustainably high. If you want to go to them tonight because it's three on four, three and four on the road for Dallas, I think that's fine. There's almost no ownership there. 
there's 16,000 and change for the top six lines there. You want to get over the field in MME, that's fine. I just don't have a ton of interest in this game in single entry. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the ice time. I was just looking over the team's last five games, Sagan and Duchesne around 12.15 a game at five on five, and Rope Hintz is at 12.25. They're basically the, the same line at five on five. And when we were looking at the power play, the second power play unit's getting like 40 to 45% of the power play time. So they are basically splitting lines. Like the thing that separates Dallas one now from, from that Sagan line is basically just efficiency. That's, you know, there'll, there'll be a line that can score on 12% of their shots at five on five rather than like 10%. Like that's basically all that's, all that's separating them at this point. Um, so I, I do like your call on Dallas three here. For me, it's just like, I don't have a super expensive stack that I'm going to be playing tonight elsewhere. That's the kind that like, if you're playing Colorado, we'll get to that game next. That's going to be quite the late night hammer. Then I can definitely see that. Um, do, you know, Duchesne Sagan and Marchman, I was telling you before the show, Mason Marchman's um, scoring chance creation numbers have been pretty good this year. Like he's been one of the engines on that line. I'm Matt Duchesne right there along with him. So I do like that Dallas three line. Um, I think Dallas one is back in play again. Um, Vancouver's penalty kill is very bad. Even with less of the share of power play time, this is a, this is a, that's a power play line that can score like twice in four chances, especially against this Vancouver penalty kill that has been struggling uh, to start the year. Uh, The Canucks penalty kill like 25th by shot attempts allowed per minute uh, on the PK. Uh, goals against their 21st like this isn't a good penalty kill that Dallas is facing so again in like a 20 max situation I think I might have some Dallas ones certainly 50 or 150 max or something like that but it is Dallas three I like uh, as the filler here tonight Uh, nothing for me on the Vancouver side Um, even at their ownerships I think there are just other low on spots again not not playing a team that's better than that yeah and you can get you know you have teams that are $500 $500 more expensive, like the Florida second line, the Minnesota top line, et cetera, et cetera. I'd rather play those teams much more than Vancouver. Let's get to the last game of the night here. Colorado Avalanche with a 3.1 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights have a 2.9 total. Now, ah, oh man, I've been in my head arguing with myself. I feel like the monkey Homer Simpson about this line right here because Colorado top line is 24,700. Vegas is 10-0-1 to start the season, but it is so deceiving. They're going to be getting the Eichel-Marshasov-Barbashev matchup, and in a 120-minute sample this season, that Vegas top line is only controlling 48% of the shot share, and they have an expected goals against per 60 of almost three. And my God. Colorado one's coming in at 3.3% projected ownership. Do I really want to take half of my salary and put it into a Colorado top line here tonight? Maybe. Like, honestly, maybe. Because everyone has this perception that Vegas, that Vegas is this really good defensive team and, you know, they, they'll, they don't take a ton of penalties, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they have not been great defensively this season. I really like the Colorado top line here tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I do like, um, the Colorado top line here tonight. Um, you know, 
obviously kudos to Vegas for their great start. You got to hand it to them, but 928 overall save percentage, shooting 10.7% as a team. I think their PDO is like second or third in the league. Don't forget, Vegas is also a team in the Western Conference. Like, I hate to slag on the Western Conference, but like Pacific Division specifically. It's just like, like their, their season so far, Seattle, San Jose, Anaheim was their first three games of the year. And over their last six games, they played Montreal, Winnipeg, and Chicago twice. Like, I'd hope they'd win those games. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, not very good defensive numbers on the top line. Worst defensive numbers on the second line. I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. Vegas' second line, or sorry, Vegas with the second line on the ice is generating about as many shots per minute as Noah Gregor is by himself for Toronto. Literally, Noah Gregor is shooting as much as the entire Vegas second line. No. I don't know. I don't know if they're like this. I there were Chicago teams like a decade ago that really wouldn't take the season seriously until like March. So maybe Vegas is doing that. It's either that or or like it's either they really just don't care or they're playing injured. Like there is no other explanation for what's going on with that Vegas second line. Um, and like, it's not like they're scoring either 0.8 goals per 60 minutes. They're not doing anything. Um, they're going to go up against that Colorado second line, probably going to have Thomas Tatar there. Uh, I kind of like Colorado too, just for the reason that you were saying Vegas doesn't take a lot of penalties. They don't take a lot of penalties. They're at 3.1 per game. That's 28th in the league for time shorthanded or fifth fewest time shorthanded per, per game. Um, the penalty kill has been good largely because of the goaltending, but um, that's the that's the thing that's kind of leaning me towards Colorado too. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the Colorado top six is going to get very much overlooked here tonight. And I don't know if you necessarily have to full stack him. I think you can double center, do like McKinnon, Johansson plus Ranton and save some money from, from Lekkonen's price then you can still fit in a decent filler stack beside them. But uh, I agree with you with Colorado having uh, a bit of time off here, hopefully got their defenseman a little bit healthy though. McCarr and Byron took another maintenance day. I believe, I don't know if those guys are healthy either. Um, I do. I'm with you. I like the Colorado side here. I think I like Colorado too, a little bit more. Um, But yeah, that Colorado top six, I think is definitely being undervalued here tonight. Yeah. And with like that stone line, we're both the same age with back problems. Like how, how does, how, like how does Mark Stone care about the season with back problems right now? If he just needs to be healthy for the playoffs, man, what a slate coming up, <laughs> coming up after us at 6 PM NBA live before lock with Emac and Neil. If you are playing NBA, uh, stay tuned for that. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen and goalies here. Shall we? Let's start with defensemen. With uh, Adam Pellick out for the Islanders, I think Noah Dobson's back in play. It's not the best matchup here, but he's going to play 27, 28 minutes. He is 6,900, which, you know, if he's going to play 27, 28 minutes, it's fine. Like, McCarr at 7,700, I don't know. Like, I don't think he's healthy, but it's hard to speculate on that kind of stuff. Quinn Hughes, 6,300, still underpriced for what he's been for his role in Vancouver now. Eric Carlson sticks out like a sore thumb at 6,200. Who else do you like him? 
Yeah, I mean, Carlson, Eric Carlson and John Carlson, though John Carlson, his ownership is projecting to be the highest on, of any player on the slate here tonight, over 20%. I don't know if I want to play John Carlson at like 20 to 25% on a 13-game slate. Um, that seems a little bit high for me. Shea Theodore, I mean, we just talked about Vegas and Colorado. Colorado is one of the most penalized teams in the league. And one thing Vegas is doing is taking more, is getting more power plays than they were last year. So don't mind Shea Theodore. Um, in the mid-price range, like Miro Haskinen is an interesting guy because he doesn't put up peripherals. Like he doesn't shoot a lot. He doesn't block a lot of shots. But his price also came down quite a bit on DraftKings. I think it's down like eight or 900 from their last game. Yeah. In the mid fives against the Canucks, like I don't mind that. Uh, obviously, Truba, um, I think you already mentioned him. Um, Seth Jones for Chicago, like there's only so many guys that can actually shoot the puck on that team, and Seth Jones is actually one of them. Uh, and Florida is a high volume team, like Jones could easily put up a block shot bonus on DraftKings here tonight. Uh, Vince Dunn, 4,100 for Seattle. Like Calgary is a team that shoots a lot. He doesn't usually block a lot of shots, but at least that's a threat. And with Calgary's goaltending, like everybody from Seattle is in play. It's that, you know, it's that old Gary Oldman meme, you know, who's in play against Calgary? Everyone. Um, For super cheap defenseman, Connor Clifton is the one that really stood out for me from Buffalo. I think he played 25 minutes last night with Samuelson out of the lineup. He's only 2,600 on DK. He might have to block a lot of Toronto shots here tonight. Uh, Gavrikov and uh, Jacob Bernard Docker under 3K. Eric Gustafson, of course, uh, running the power play for the New York Rangers. Uh, TJ Brody with with Timothy Lilligren out. Um, Brody's probably going to see a little bit more ice time, so don't mind him. And if you want to avoid like the super high-owned Eric Carlson, probably Chris Letang as well from Pittsburgh, I think Marcus Pedersen makes some sense. Yeah, the one that I will mention that you didn't touch on, if you can't get to Gustafson for whatever reason, I think Keandre Miller at 3,100, he's going to play big minutes tonight. So I think he's fine as well. Let's get to goalies here. Joseph Wall, most expensive on the board at 8,500. Cheapest goalie in play tonight is probably going to be Devin Levi at 6,900. I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't even know if I can handle that. I'm a big Levi guy, but like, in this matchup, I don't know. Like, there isn't really a goalie that really sticks out. I like Demko at 7,400. Um, Georgiev, it's your, Georgiev, I'm thinking of Seinfeld. Georgiev, 7,500 is all right. Uh, Sorokin, obviously, Sorokin's the one that kind of sticks out, right? At 7,800. Who else are you liking? Uh, yeah, Sorokin, uh, Billy Huso at home. Um, you know, Boston hasn't really filled the net so far this year. He's only 7,200. Um, Peter Mrazek, obviously, Chicago at home. Like, all his, I'll be, Peter Mrazek might end up the goalie that, that I play the most this season. Um, him, uh, at home against, uh, Florida for sure. If you're paying up, yeah, Joseph Wall, Aiden Hill, uh, from Vegas. Don't mind Grubauer either. Calgary has had trouble scoring. Uh, most of their lines have had trouble scoring, so I don't mind Grubauer if you want to pay up at 8,100. Yeah. It's funny because a few seasons ago I had like a pretty bad single entry season. I lost some money and then you get the the season recap and it's like, I forget what it was, but it was like, I played some goalie that was just awful. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I lost a lot of money. <laughs> um, who are you liking for your hat trick pick? I mean, I, we got to do it because yep. you got to do it. 
Marco Rossi from Minnesota. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, I'm going Cole Caulfield. Ooh, small goals boy. I like it. Caulfield and Rossi getting hat tricks tonight. That'd be something else. I'd be, man, I'd be dancing in the streets. I might actually go dance in the street right now. I'm so jacked up. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. I don't know when we'll be back, Monday or Tuesday, most likely, but I need to go shower off this caffeine. Make sure to click the click that like button, smash the subscribe button on your way out. I don't know why you guys aren't premium yet. Click that link in the description, get that weekly, get that monthly, but we'll be back either Monday or Tuesday next week. Hopefully we're talking about you winning and good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.